Time to welcome in Sarah Todd, Utah jazz writer for the Deseret News. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Are you feeling a Game 5 jazz win? You got a Nuggets vibe going on? Or you're across the country, you just got no idea? Uh, well, actually, I am in Orlando. Oh, well, then you don't have to worry about that. You do have a vibe. You're right there. Tell us. Yeah. I, um, you know, closeout games are so hard, and we've seen that the Jazz can have lapses on defense. I mean, what the fact that they won game four was great, but they didn't look their absolute best, and they needed another 50% point performance from Donovan Mitchell. So I think that. It's definitely possible, but uh, hearing from Denver that they're going to make some more adjustments, um, and we're not sure what that's going to be, I'll be interested to see actually what they do and what they do differently, especially uh, anything they do on the defensive end and how they kind of switch up their coverages. So I'm sure you saw that Donovan Mitchell tweet, F the playoffs and F the games. I think it was F the games and the playoffs. Any concern about his focus going into this game? I'm, I wouldn't be concerned about his focus. I think, uh, number one, uh, it's totally possible that a person can focus on two things at once. Um, there are a lot of players down here in the bubble that are um, not only playing their tails off in these playoffs, but are also uh, speaking up about causes they care about and for racial justice. And so... I think that it's totally possible to be concerned about that. And, you know, I know that the that the tweet, the last one that he sent said, you know, F the playoffs and games. But um, I think the, the meaning behind that is different than the actual focus that he'll have. How much interaction do you have with them inside the bubble? Well, so there's two different tiers of reporters mm-hmm. in the bubble. So there's the the first tier of reporters are like the sideline reporters that you see and like sort of the 10 national reporters that are actually living inside the bubble, like in the hotels that are next to the player hotels, basically. And they get to go to practices and games all the time and get tested every day. And uh, they live in the bubble. And there's a second tier where we live outside of the bubble and are only allowed to be at the game. And we're tested twice a week instead of every day. And we can't go like onto, um, like on into the bubble hotels. So we can't be at like the player practices or um, inside the bubble other than game days. And then we sit in different sections. So there's not a lot of interaction at all. We've seen Mitchell just go off. In my mind, he's elevated his game, not just the proverbial next level, but two or three steps. I thought I saw it in the qualifying games, in his eyes, in his body language. So I expected a better performance than we'd seen at any point in his three-year NBA career. To this level, probably not as high. What are your thoughts as far as why he has been so much better and literally has been the best we've ever seen him? So there was there were some conversations with Donovan before the the playoffs started, and he'd kind of talked about his own maturity and things that he was thinking about in the recent months or even over the last year. And it seemed 
I agree with you. It, it seems like he kind of reached a different level mentally and that that would probably translate onto the court. Now, I did not expect for that to include a 57-point game. I didn't know that it was going to go to that point. But um, I think the most impressive thing for me was watching him score 57, knowing that he could do that, seeing that it didn't work, and then him becoming much more of a facilitator in order to counter what Denver was doing in the next game. And he just looked so much more patient on the court than I've ever seen him, and especially looking back at playoff games over the last couple of years. Uh, just that switch between games one and two was incredibly impressive to me. So we've seen an incredibly an incredible shooting performance from Mike Conley here in two games. I mean, making two-thirds of his shots, regardless of whether he's inside or outside of the arc. He is getting open looks. How much do you expect this to continue? And how much is, well, basically people don't do this if they're dunking the ball all the time. So it's going to fall to someone like Joe Ingles to have a better game after he didn't make a shot in the last one. I think it's really hard for Denver to... I mean, they just don't have the personnel to guard the multiple wing guys that the that the Jazz have. So, you know, if they're doubling on Mitchell or if they're paying attention to who has the hot hand, whether that's Conley or Clarkson or Mitchell, and they've been really trying to get the ball out of Ingles' hand, um, then it's just going to leave someone open. And so I think that's why we're seeing different guys have big performances at different points in the game. It's kind of like they're scoring in clumps. And so, and Mike Conley is such an experienced guy that he can read the defense like that. He can see, you know, where they're going and when those doubles are coming and he knows when he can grab those, those little lanes that open up in those moments. And so I, you know, the joy of having a child is clearly something that, uh, he feeds on, and so uh, I I don't expect him to slow down at all. He's like I said, he's so experienced. He's going to find his ways to get open. So, as you say, the joy of having a child since he's under contract for next year. You think that Jazz would encourage him and his wife to have a baby, say around next May or next June? <laughs> they've got they've got three very young children. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to encourage someone to have another child this soon. I wouldn't. Uh, and we heard we heard Mike say like I don't know about that. <laughs> I think uh, three is a handful, no matter no matter who you are. What do you make of the uh, Rockets and the Thunder with that series all tied up? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we've got so many interesting things happening in these playoffs. I mean, multiple sweeps and series. I mean, I like I didn't expect for the Pacers and the Heat series to end so quickly and I I expected for the Blazers to give the Lakers a little bit more of a fight than they've been giving in that game last night there I mean there was no fight at all and and then we've got the I I felt like that there would be a little bit more of a swing actually in the Rockets and Thunder series I kind of thought one team would maybe take over a little bit more and so the fact that and man that game last night I mean, it was there was no way to predict how that was going to go. And I, what a good story, you know, like you, you can't make these things up. You know, they, they get Westbrook from OKC and send Chris Paul there. And no one thinks that the 
Thunder are going to do anything this year. And honestly, everyone expected for Chris Paul to be gone by the trade deadline. They keep him around. You got all these young guys. You got Lou Dort who came over. He was on a 10-day or he was on a uh, he wasn't even on a full NBA contract before the, the bubble thing. And that was one of the questions going in. It's like, can they sign him so that he can play? And he's like the defensive James Harden stopper. And so it's just, you can't make these things up. And the NBA is undefeated in those kinds of storylines. And so it's great. I'm enjoying it. So don't tell anybody in the jazz organization that I asked you this question, but who do you think is better? Yes, exactly. Who do you think is a better matchup for the jazz in the second round? Between the Clippers and the Mavericks? Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh man, I think honestly, I probably think the Mavericks. Um, I know that it's really hard to think about stopping Luca, and that that's going to take a lot of focus. But I think the Clippers are such a scary team because. I think they're more they're more defensive minded. You have to worry about what Kawhi is going to do to you, and uh, I, I don't think that we've seen the best out of the Clippers yet in their series. I think they've been a little up and down, and so I I don't think that that's a very good indication of how they can play. And I know that playoff P is a, a hot topic right now and uh, unproven, but. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to be on the other end of uh, his best series in the playoffs, and I think that could really happen against the Jazz. Um, and you know, the the Jazz don't have a ton of experience playing against the the Mavericks' offense, which you know is historically one of the best offenses that we've seen. And their defense has not been the best this year. And the Jazz's defense hasn't. I mean, they've had a huge drop off from where they used to play. They used to be one of the top defenses in the league, and now they're just not. That's not the case. And they've turned it up in the playoffs, but they would have to turn it up even more if they were going to be facing someone like the Mavericks or the or the uh, Clippers. Um, so I don't think there's either one of those are a good matchup. But I think that I'd rather take my chances against the Mavs. Sarah Todd joining us. She writes for the Deseret News, covers the Utah Jazz. Uh, <clears throat> Twitter responds to everything in the moment. There's no perspective whatsoever. So every time <laughs> someone drops a playoff game, well, they're doomed. They can't possibly go to the finals. And in the East, we've had three sweeps. But in the West, literally everybody has been beaten. And you know, a couple, somebody's going to advance who's got two losses, right? Because we've got two series at 2-2. So... Is there a team that in the West you think is head and, head and shoulders above the other and you can pick them right now, or is it really just going to come down to making threes on a given night? Well, I mean, g- good news for the Jazz fans. I think that the, the Jazz are head and shoulders above the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets' defense is just – it's not there. It's not enough for them to win, win three games and come back in this at all. They are going – the Jazz are going to dance, whether that's tonight or it's in a couple of days – uh, they'll win one of the next two, and so I'm not even worried about that. When it comes to the second round, then I'm, then I'm not so sure. Uh, and then also, um, I was I was a lot higher on the Blazers coming coming into the first round, but 
their defense just looks uh, horrendous against the Lakers, and the Lakers aren't a great like three-point shooting team, and they're turning it up, and so I think it's going to be it's hard for anyone to come back from a three-one deficit, and so those would be the two that I'd say I'm I'm feeling really confident about. Obviously, the closer ones are are uh, not as easy to predict. Well, Sarah, we appreciate a few minutes. Good luck in Orlando, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime.